Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to hear your word. We are looking up to you that through your spirit you will teach us this morning and that you will help us to understand this wisdom that is not human wisdom and we should live by it. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're talking about being a blessing this morning, uh, not in the traditional way, but in a way that also relates to our Christian lives. Being a blessing is different from receiving things. As the return of our Lord Jesus is drawing near, a lot of things happening is confirming that he is coming. There are two things that we must bear in mind. The first one is the personal preparation that every Christian must take serious, must take it serious. In 1 John 3, 6, it says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for, he will, for we will see him as he really is. Verse 3. And all who have this eager expectation, all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. So when we expect, when we are having the expectation that Jesus is coming, then the Bible says we should get ready for it. We should keep ourselves pure. We should keep ourselves pure. I was telling my wife yesterday, I said, if a pastor is living because he's a pastor, he has an idol called church. He's worshiping church. I said, no, you live your life because you love Jesus. Pastor or not. You live, live your life because you love Jesus, whether you're a pastor or not. If all you're doing is because you're a pastor, that's idol worship. You are worshiping church. The God you worship is church. Jesus said, if you love me, then you will do what I said. It's not because you're a pastor. because you're, No, if you love me, you do that because you worship me. Besides, that one is pretense because that's not really you. You are doing it to impress people. So the Bible is saying that if we expect Jesus to come, and we should because we are Christians, that we should live ready. We should purify our hearts, purify ourselves. And it goes on to say that anyone who is not interested in doing this, and I want you to hear me, please. This is not about coming to church and going home. This is what the Bible says that is true. It says anyone that is not interested in purifying himself or herself is not really a Christian. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. And look at that first John verse 4. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. Verse 5. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. 
and there is no sin in him. Verse 6, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. He's not saved. You know, when Jesus says something, we should listen. He said, you see this narrow way that very few people will find it. I've come to realize that, that's, that what he said is absolutely true. He said, many, many will come in my name and I, I don't know you guys. A Christian must be very, very interested in looking at his life. This has been coming in the sermon for Sundays now. So I just was thinking to myself, I said, Lord, there must be the reason you are pointing this out without season. Anyone who continues to live in, in, live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Because we said when he comes, we see him as his is, he's pure. And we're going to be like him. Verse 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. Those who have, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning. Because they are children of God. So now we can tell who is children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Does not belong to God. Because you see, if you are a Christian, you'll be very interested in purifying yourself. I mean, there's no normal person who lives in the house who doesn't clean up as the need arises. If you come into somebody's house and there's junk, it hasn't swept it in a long time, you're likely to, to think that something is uh, wrong. It's not normal. So the idea of purifying ourselves is very primary. Cleaning up is very primary because there are things that come into our lives as we live our lives. And the Bible says, don't let anybody deceive you on this point. Don't take anything else from this point. Second Corinthians six sixteen, and what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord God Almighty. Have Having therefore these promises from God, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, the fear of the Lord. The beauty of holiness is the beauty of love. It's the beauty of love, for God is love. If we are controlled by our emotions, controlled by our flesh, controlled by our carnal mind, and it doesn't bother us, something is wrong. 
something is very wrong. There is no human being who has symptoms in his body who sees that and doesn't do anything about it. Once you notice something abnormal in your system, you call the doctors. It's not normal to say to leave it like that. There's nobody who does that. You don't neglect something that you know that's about to destroy your life. And the scripture says, if you're a child of God and you notice this thing that about that ruin your life that's abnormal, abnormal. It's not natural to you. It's not part of your nature. He said, if you're really a child of God, you have a desire to, to take it out. So you live a normal life. But if you don't, then something is wrong. It's either that's your nature. You're really living your nature and it doesn't bother you. You know you can live with death so much that death becomes the system of your psychology and it doesn't bother you. You can live with order to the point that you don't even smell it again. People come and smell it, but you don't smell it because it's part of you. That's what the scripture is saying. If this is part of you and you don't even notice it, it doesn't bother you, then you don't have the life of God that abhors this thing. And brethren, we cannot make any difference in this world if we are like the world. We're not going to bring any difference at all. The only way you can make a difference is to offer something totally different and something that is greater in value than what is mainstream. I can't be like the world and make a difference. And how can I make a difference? Probably what I'm doing is what they do best. I can't even beat them in their game. So the only way we can make a difference in this world in which we live is to offer something totally different that is of greater value, and that is the life of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 2.21, if a man therefore purge himself from this, see this word keeps coming, clean, purge, remove, keeps coming, it keeps coming. If a man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So say, flee also youthful loss, but follow righteousness, follow faith, follow charity, follow peace, with them that call up on the name of the Lord out of pure heart. Now, the second thing we need to do, because we expect Jesus to come, is that we bring the gospel to the people. Is that we bring the gospel. In Mark 13, verse 10, for the good news must, be first, must first be preached to all nations. And it's not the hidden that will preach it, it's the Christian that should preach it to all nations. In Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jude 22, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, making a difference, King James says. But others have saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, then hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. You know, people reject Jesus Christ. And even Christians are not serious with their faith because they really don't know what they're doing. They think everything ends here on earth. Let me tell you, there's nobody in his right mind who gets into a car 
at full speed and with all the signs and everything saying dead end, danger ahead, everything flashing. He continues to drive until he goes over a ravine. That person is sick. Something is wrong. There is nobody who goes to hell in their right mind. There is nobody who, who, who treats Jesus carelessly in their right mind. There's nobody. That's why the prodigal son, the Bible says, when he came back to his uh, senses, there's nobody. There's nobody who, who is casual about his feet in his right mind. There's nobody. I, I did a funeral yesterday. I'm looking at, this is my friend, personal friend, very young man. And I was standing there preaching and looking at the coffin and, the, and he in there, my personal friend, And I said to myself, you have to lose your mind not to be serious with Jesus. Because this thing ends in the, in, the, in the box. That's why it ends. And I'm preaching and it's just right there. And Jesus said so. In Luke 23, 34. Then say Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. People are not serious with their faith in Christ. And, uh, you know, all, all this, someone come and purge yourself. You're not serious about it. Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. They, don't have, they are not in their right mind at all. Something is taking over their mind. It's called the devil. Something is working there. First Corinthians fifteen nineteen, And if our hope in Christ is only in this life... We are more than we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. If all I live for is money, salary, income, and that's my that's my value and my passion and everything. The Bible says I should be pitied more than everybody everybody else. That's why if one is not serious with, with the Lord, there's something wrong. Jesus said, Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Luke 12, 21. Yes, a person is a fool who store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. That's what Jesus said. See, the love of God compels us to have enough compassion to give this good news to people and to make the necessary sacrifice for it. For love is measured by sacrifice. Let me repeat that. Love is measured by Sacrifice. You see, seasonal gifts are good, but they don't prove love as such. What proof love is on seasonal gifts? Seasonal gifts can be obligatory. Your birthday can be, I must give it. If I don't give it, there'll be trouble. You'll give. But there's this on seasonal gifts that shows that I have you in my heart all the time. They make a difference. How you measure love is by sacrifice. And you know who taught us that? It was Jesus himself. So, we need to have a paradigm shift. In Christianity, we must have a paradigm shift. We must change from this age-long paradigm of always looking forward to receiving. And all our testimonies are about what we have received, which is good. There's nothing wrong with receiving. But we must have a paradigm shift from receiving to giving. If you'll be effective in preaching this gospel, you must have a paradigm shift. Because preaching the gospel is all about giving. It's all about giving. You will see it very soon. 
It's all about giving. So we must have a paradigm shift and understand that our life is not just about receiving, receiving, receiving. Our life is about giving. Jesus said, freely you have received. Now it's your turn to freely what? Give. It's about giving. And then you know, it's not too difficult for people to accept the good news if we present it properly and present it as simple as it is. Make it simple. It's not a time for theological presentation. And it's not a time to show people how deep in the Lord you are. And it's not a time to show them how much doctrine is in this your head. It's not a time for all of that. It's not a time for that. It's a time to present a very simple message in a very simple way and make it as simple. There's nothing about God that is complicated. You need people to complicate it for you. God has made everything about himself easy for anybody. Anybody. The first people Jesus walked with were not very educated people. They were fishermen. And even the Jews say, well, these people are not educated. They have no skill at all. But we know they were with Jesus. We know they were with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, it's not really your skill. It's not really your intelligence. It's the Spirit of God working with you as a vessel. So the gospel is a very, very simple, easy message that should be preached the way it is. The power is in the gospel, not in you. Not in me. The gospel. Simple message. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Very simple like that. You don't have to explain it. We are not told to go and explain the gospel. We are told to go and preach it. To preach is to decline. Don't explain it. Leave it alone. The Holy Spirit will do the explanation. Don't explain it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting love, life. First John 14, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Very simple message. And all they have to do is John 1, 12. But as many as receive him now, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of, the, of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. As many as simply receive him, receive, believe, two words the Holy Spirit put there. As many as receive him as Lord and Savior, as many as believe in his name, that is the Lord, is the Son of God. The Bible said they are saved. They don't need to do any confession of sin, nothing. All this religious burden we add to people. Did you know that Jesus said to us, he said, when you come to me, I'll give you rest. He says, stop. You've, you've labored so much and achieved nothing like Peter. We all night, we were, God doesn't want us to come laboring no more. Because our labor produced nothing. Typical Peter, we labored all night. Labored all night. But where's the fish? We couldn't get nothing. And so Jesus said, hey, come to me, all you that have what? Labor and fully led. He said, what will I give you? Rest. What is rest? Cease from your labor. That is what rest is. God told us my rest is you stop. You are done. Stop. Cease from your labor. Oh, no, won't do that. Oh, God, if I cease from my labor, who would do this for me? And God says, well, if you want to continue to labor, then I'll be at rest while you bother yourself. Now, that's why we have problems, because we have not understood that Christianity is a place of rest. It's not a place of labor. 
is a place of rest. What did I say? Come and say it with me. Place of rest. That's what Jesus offers you. Give me your burden. Take my rest. Say, Lord, what does it mean? Say, he that believeth has entered into rest and has ceased from all his labor. Let me, I came to do it for you. That's what it's all about. That's why people find Christianity difficult to live. But it's not really what you labor for. It's what Jesus does by his spirit in you. And you just live by faith in him. Paul said, I live by faith in the son of God. And we could see the result he produced in his life. So, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born now, because they believe now, they are born now, born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Acts 8.35 gives us simple illustration. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto them Jesus. Very simple thing. Not complicated. Not theological. He preached unto them Jesus. That's how he did. And as they went on their way, they came unto, uh, sorry, preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch, the eunuch is it eunuch or eunuch? How do you pronounce it? You have mask. I won't hear you. Anyway, whether it's eunuch or eunuch, you have mask. He's, he's eunuch. Eunuch? You know, have audience over, over up to a thousand people listening. So I'm not really talking to you people alone. So they know how to pronounce it. Eunuch. Eunuch? Whatever. So, <laughs> onto a, onto a um, sudden water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Listen to verse 37. See how simple the gospel is. Very simple. We don't have to confuse people. Very simple. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest mess if you believe. If you believe, if you receive, two words. Believe, receive. Nothing else. All this confess your sin, we added it. It's not there. Repentance in the New Testament is to turn from not accepting Christ to accepting Christ. Because he said, forgiveness will not be preached in my name. Which means there is forgiveness for anybody who believes in me. No matter what you've done, I paid for it already. Your confessing has nothing to do with it. I already paid for it. He said, go tell them. He said, go pray them. He, he gave us ministry of reconciliation. He said, let them come to me. They, are, they have already been reconciled. They have already been reconciled. I'm not going to be. I paid for it. That's the ministry we are given. Ministry of reconciliation. He said, we plead with you to come. Don't run away, come. Because peace has been made with the blood of Jesus Christ. So if they receive it, if they believe it, that's all. And so Philip said in verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest not. And he, said, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Simple. Then what happened in verse 38? And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down with both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Simple. Baptized him. Simple. Believed. That's it. He didn't say, say after me. <laughs> Did you believe this? Yes. Get baptized. He didn't say, repeat after me. You know, some of that repeat after me may not be from people. They just follow you. 
You're just saying things and they're just saying after you. That's how somebody came many years after. He said, he said when I did it young, I did it for my mother. He said, now I want to give my life to Christ. And she was a secretary of women's group for years. And then people say, you mean you are not saved? say, yeah, I wasn't. Now I want to do it on my own volition. You see how we follow things that people do as, as you know, what everybody does. And we key into that without going back to scripture to find out, is that what the scripture really recommends? Because we find that that's what they do, so we do it. See, that's what I've been preaching. Presumption. And ability to sit down and say, did the scripture say this? You can save yourself a lot of error, heartache, third prayer topics by going to the scripture and letting the scripture guide. You know, my mentor gave a testimony that blessed me. He said they had a, a brother, somebody was praying for to be saved for years and they fasting for it. The man was not getting, getting worse. And one day the Lord said to him, he said, that prayer you're praying, I never said you should pray it. He said, really, sir, I've been wasting my time. I said, you have. And that's why there's no answer coming. He said, what did you say? I told you to pray to, for me to send laborers. That's why I was said. He said, really? He said, yeah, that's what the Bible said. He said, I pray, Lord, send laborers to him. And he said, within two weeks, God saved. God said, I follow scripture. Light unto my feet and lamp unto my path. That's the theme of this church. Believe and you're saved. So another very powerful way that we can really believe, bring to people to Jesus Christ is by showing them that they have value. It's by showing them that they're not garbage. You know, garbage is something you resent, you don't want. Something that has value, you pay a great price for it. Nobody pays a great price for garbage. God paid a great price for every soul, which means they have value to him. And then one way to show value is to show acceptance. And acceptance is to show love. Love is acceptance. Love is accepting somebody the way he is. You may not agree with their way of life. You may not support their way of life. Jesus didn't support the way of life of sinners. He didn't. But he came and embraced them and was able to change them over through his acceptance of them, through the love he showed them. The, he reminded them that they have value. And they followed him willingly. Love is very powerful. So one way we can do that is to leave the love of God out. And so that, because God is love, if I'm living love, I'm presenting God in practical form to people to see. I'm presenting Jesus practical form to people to see. Brethren, can't we come to the conclusion that giving out tracts is worn out? It's a wonderful way to do it. I'm not saying we should stop that, but we should be, again, changing our paradigms, beginning to think of there are other ways we can do this, which I thank God that Brunich and uh, his team are doing now, planning other ways to do this. Because there are other ways that match the new society in which we live, a society that's on the move all the time, very busy all the time, working work schedules. When I was growing up, everybody was home by four. Everybody was home by four, but now everybody's not home by four. And so there has to be, and then we go to ShopRite to give people uh, uh, tracks. Some of them are walking out of, they are very angry because their credit card has gone low. 
and then they're not in the mind to read your trap. They just paid bills, and then some of them, they were declined. And then you are giving him tract. It's not the mind to read. So there should be a, uh, an alternative and a very effective way to bring the gospel practically to people. And that is by giving love. Love you can give at any place. Love you can give at any place. Look at Romans 2, 4. Say, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that this, his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? His kindness, his love, is intended to bring a change of heart. His kindness, his love. So if we bring his love to people, it brings a change of heart. It brings a change of heart. In uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 1, we can see a practical example of that. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there, there was a man, a, name, a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the praise, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Five. And when Jesus came, to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for, to do, for today I will abide in thy house. And he, came, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, now look at this crowd. They have no love. They think that this man is garbage. Jesus said, no, it's not garbage. He has value because God created him. His ways may be wrong, but God created him. And these people say, no, he's garbage. We should resent him. We should avoid him. Jesus said, no, it's not garbage. I pay with my life for him. It's not garbage. He has value. And so, in verse 7, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that, that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. He's a garbage. He's a sinner. He doesn't need anybody to come near him. Eight, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him for, 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 for food. You see what Zacchaeus is doing? He's trying to clean himself up. But Jesus already said, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> In verse nine, and they just said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house. For, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, verse 8. Let me go back to verse, uh, verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and, have, and if I have taken anything from any man by false acquisition, I restore him for food. Why? Go back to verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down. Jesus said, you have value. I want to stay with you. Jesus didn't say, I'm visiting for today. He said, I'm going to stay, passing the night. I'm abiding, stay. 
And then these other people say, you don't have value. Jesus said, no, he has value. I'm going to hang with him. These people say, no, you don't have to go near him. Now see, see, see what we're saying here. Love will accept you. May not approve of what they are doing, but will accept you. And then immediately this man was accepted because nobody ever accepted him. Nobody ever thought he had any value until Jesus came along. The love that Jesus showed him broke his heart. Broke his heart. He said, and that's what the Bible is saying, that the goodness of God will bring repentance. Love is powerful. And the man decided, no, no amount of someone would have made him give back what he stole. But because somebody said to him, you know you have more value than what you are doing, he immediately realized that that is true. Because God is love. He said, I'm going to return what I stole. And you know, this is where people preach wrong doctrine. They say, see, salvation is by works. It's not true. Because, you know, can you listen to me very well? There is no salvation until Jesus has gone to the cross. We are saved by faith in Christ. Not by works. What Jesus was talking about here is that, he said, I was sent to the lordship of what? Israel. Salvation is not for, for only for Israel. It's for everybody. So he said, this is the son of Abraham. He's come back under the law. He's not come back. I was sent to the lordship of Israel. Until the cross, Jesus never was talking to the Jews. I mean, was never always talking to Gentiles, always. Not always sometimes, but not always. always. Not always. Not always. Because he said, no, I was sent to the lordship of Israel. And then this one lordship came back from his breaking the laws of God. And God, Jesus used that word salvation, not in the terms of the salvation he offered us on the cross. And that was why he would do miracles. He said, don't tell anybody about me. Don't talk about it yet. Because the salvation has not been offered. But when he came from the cross, rose from the dead, he said, you can now go and uh, preach it now. That forgiveness is available in my name because of my blood. Brethren, can there be salvation without the shedding of blood? Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of what? Sin. So how can there be salvation here when the blood has not been shed? Is it not easy to understand? So in Luke chapter 7 verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from, the city, from that city had he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down, she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on them. When, this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, look at this crowd again. If this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman is touching him. It's garbage. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to, to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people and then 500 pieces of silver. The, he told him how this, the, the, the people who are forgiving more, love more. But the self-righteous people can't love God because they think, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Self-righteous people can't love God because their heart is 
Selfish. Selfish. It's a dangerous religious spirit, self-righteousness. So what brought this change of heart was the love that Jesus showed to this woman that they called a sinner. But Jesus said, no, because God created her. God created her. God created her. She has value. And I came to die for her. You don't pay great price for junk. You don't do that. You pay great price for something that has a value. They, so the price that God was prepared to pay for every soul will tell us how much value that we have. And so the thing that brought this woman back to Jesus with all that love, with all that pouring out of emotion, was that nobody ever showed her how much value she had except Jesus. They say, no, you are accepted. I love you. I don't, I don't approve of what you are doing, but you are still created by God. And Jesus showed it by going next to her, blessing her, being a blessing. Brethren, we must be a blessing. We must be a blessing. That's what changes lives. Pouring out blessings, blessings of compassion, blessings of how. There are people, how are you? How's your family? I, I, I think, uh, I don't know, I was in my office, and then somebody called me, and then my phone was open. She said in Igbo, he said, Pastor, the text you sent me poured cold water on my heart. He said, for the first time, my husband died. For the first time, I had this cold water all over me. I, I don't know if that would tell you. These are very, these are top-rate professionals. I'm not talking of, I mean, I'm talking of very high up in the ladder of corporate, corporate world. No, but simple text. Never, never seen her before. Never. And that tells you how we talk to each other, destroy people's lives. Destroy people. Because of anger, because of emotions. We ruin lives. Ring people's feet. We should be a blessing. First Peter three one. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Can I hear Amen? Oh, only very few people said Amen. This should be read on uh, Women's Day. Can we say another Amen? If I can remove your mask and say amen. So the world can hear this. It says, in the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, they don't love you, they are wicked, they are hard, because there are men who are heartless. Very hard to live with. I'm not kidding you. You say, how do you know, pastor? I was like that. I was like that. And when I got saved, the first thing I did was go to my wife and plead for forgiveness. I was crying like a baby. And I used the word for myself. I said, how did you live with this animal? That's what I told her. I said, you live with this animal? I said, I couldn't believe I was like this. Because I was living in back. That's what I tell you. When people reject Jesus and they play with their faith, they, they don't have their mind. <laughs> you know, it's not with their mind. You can't, you can't go up a ravine at the top street to destroy yourself. If your mind is with you, you will stop and find the safe way. Jesus is the safe way, safe way out. Safe way out. Way to life. I told her, I said, how did you live with this animal? 
Sure. Want to fire me as your pastor? I'll go next door and start another church. But this is true. That's what happened to me. You see, the Bible says if you have the spirit of Christ, you purify yourself. Because the, the light, the, the gospel is light. It, show, it says when you come to the light, it shows you what is wrong. It shines the thing. It sh- you see it. You don't need to be a vision. It shows you that your mouth is poison. You see it. You don't, have, you don't need a prophet. You will see it unless you don't have the spirit of God in you. This light, light reveals things. Jesus said they refuse to come to me so that the light will reveal what is wrong in their life. If you come to Jesus, you will see it. I immediately accepted Jesus. I saw my life. It was so dirty. So dirty. So, so there are people who are difficult to live with. There's no doubt about it. But God gave us how to bring the good news to them. If He said in verse 1, verse 3, in the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. Without any words. Brethren, in these days in which they will persecute you for preaching the gospel, isn't it a way out now? Jesus said, you know, you can bring people to me without a word by letting them meet me in you. If you show them who I am, if they can meet me, bring them, lead them to Jesus. I'm living in you now. Let me love them. The same way I love this woman and love Zacchaeus. If you can put value on your boss in the office, even though it's evil, he said he will love me. He will he want me. He will come to me. He will come to me. First John 4, 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. Listen to this. But if we love each other, God lives in us. What happens? As love is brought into full expression. People see the expression of God if, they, if we love. If we, sh- we can show them God, they can see Jesus in us. They don't need tract. Jesus himself is better than tract. They don't need tract. They don't need tract. I know one man came to my office and was in tears. <laughs> he said, Pastor, he said, just watching you. Just watching you. He said, just watching you. He was crying. I said, why are you watching me? He said, I've been watching. Now, you see how the, the Spirit of God can change somebody who was an animal? <laughs> an animal. To somebody, somebody says, watching you. He broke down, cried. Second Corinthians 3 2. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. <laughs> God said, I wrote a letter to the world, and you are the one. You are the one. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone read it, recognize our good works among you. Clearly, 
You are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pain and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not in tables of stone, but on human hearts. You know, people are fasting and looking for anointing. It's wonderful if you can get one. But shouldn't we really desire that they see Jesus in us? Instead of looking for anointing so I can do miracle, so I become popular. It's not better that I desire that, Lord, can they see you today? Not me. What John said, I must decrease so that he can what? Increase. So he can see you, Lord. So you talk. I don't know how to talk. So you talk to them. I want you to love them. Love people as you love me. Let me be a vessel through which they see you today. I don't want to be seen. Because I will destroy. I will ruin everything. I want to be seen. The scripture says, let your light so shine. And then they will see that light and come to God. Now, number two, I want to tell us something about being a blessing. Being a blessing is, is where we should be. It is a difference between receiving and being a source of blessing, a vessel through which blessing flows. You know, when water is running through a pipe, does the pipe get dry? No. It doesn't get dry. Why? Because there's a continuous flow. But let me tell you something. If you want to see God's blessing, be a pipe of blessing. Be a blessing. Look at Ephesians 5.5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. A greedy person is an idol worshiper because it's all about him or her. Everything he does with God is, God bless me here, bless me. Then he counts all his income, stores it in the bank, and gives God chicken change. Chicken change. I think most I love God. You know Jesus taught us how to measure love. They were giving offering in church. Jesus went and sat near the place. Of all the places, he sat near because he wanted to treat the world something. Everybody was giving and giving and giving. This widow came and put them small thing. And Jesus wanted to teach something with that. That's why he sat near them. He said that widow gave the greatest and he gave the reason. He said he gave of everything she has. What was she teaching? That if the love you have for God is, not, is measured by what is left. How much you are prepared to sacrifice for. Love is measured by sacrifice. Because love will make you sacrifice everything. For God so loved the world. What did God sacrifice? He's only begotten. He gave us everything. Abraham loved God and God said, prove it. Give me your only son. The man gave immediately. And God said, now I know. Now I know. With this sacrifice, now I know. Now I know. Now I know. Can God look at anything in me and say, with this, now I know you really love me. The sacrifice you are prepared to make for me. Love will make you sacrifice without pain. Without pain. My people say, if you, if, if you bring something that somebody loves who is sick, he will say, please raise my head uh, up because I love this and I want to hear that. I love it. Love is powerful. It's a great motivator and the purest motive for doing something. So you see, when we become a blessing, then what happens? Blessings we never lack in our lives. But if you are only a taker, pretty soon, you know, takers always live in need. 
People who are blessed always live in excess. People who are takers, all they do is take. All their prayer topic is me, my family. Watch them. They're always having one need or the other. Because the thing is not flowing through them. Actually, they stop it. But people who are a blessing, they're a pipe. All their needs are always met. Because it's through them the thing is flowing now. The husband man, the laborer must face be a partaker of the thing is flowing through them. Let me show you the example of what Elijah taught this woman, and the church has missed this longest time. In 1 Kings 17, 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sodom. I have instructed the widow there to feed you. Did you know why God chose that woman? Because she's the only one who, can, who will want to be a blessing. Maybe the other rich people will not be. God, God it's, not, it's not what you have. It's the spirit of God that makes it happen. So God chooses according to heart. According to heart. He said, I found the woman who will do what I want. Go there and stay. Now, verse 9. Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed the woman there to feed you. He said, I've instructed her. The woman didn't hear anything. But God said, I've entrusted her. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of a bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Okay, but God said I've instructed her. But I said, you want this thing? It's all I have. If I give you, I don't. But God said, no, I've instructed her. Which means God speaks, cause those things that are not as if. That's his language. And that should be your language. You don't call what you see. You call what God said. And now look at what happened here. This interesting encounter. Verse 12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house. And I, I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Elijah taught this woman that the way to continuous blessing is to be a blessing. Not to take mystery of the kingdom revealed by God. But the church hasn't understood it. Now verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead, listen, go ahead and do just what I have said. Stop being a taker and be a blessing. He said, do what I've told you. Do what I've said. But make a little bread for me, what? First. We, we talk of sowing. This is, this is a different dimension I'm coming from. I'm talking of you being a blessing, a vessel of blessing. Not just let me sow so that I will receive. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It's changing your paradigm from always taking. And when you take and it doesn't go, that's the end. You block it. But when you become a vessel through which love flows, kindness flows, compassion flows. Watch people who are always giving. They're always young. Watch what happens. The Spirit of God is charging through them, making them do this, making them do this. They can't stop. They give, they give, they smile, they hug, they, how are you? Their prayer is, their prayer is 
about people. Because God will come and be giving them prayer topics, prayer topics. Prayer. <laughs> My wife will share some prayer topics. I'm like, am I still saved? Whoa. I'm not kidding. Every, she pray, she, look, Obama was her prayer topic. The wife, even the daughters. I said, you even know that? They say, yes, pray for the daughters. The, the governors. She, I said, when do you have time to do this? In this era now, every leader and the one that asked her, I said, how about me? Do you also pray for me? He said, honey, I pray for you every day. I know God will talk to her about me. I want to pray for me about. And God will show her things. <laughs> I don't even know about nations, about this country, about governors, and what is happening there. And those are people God will use strategically to be sending his answer to prayer here, answer to prayer there, answer to prayer there. While you are too busy with your list of your personal needs. But those ones are vessels through which the blessing is what? Flowing even through prayer. So let's conclude this verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow. God says, be a blessing and the flow will never cease. Simple principle. You know God works on principles. God doesn't, it's not a magician. He doesn't do magic, magic, magic. No. He works on legal grounds. The devil also works on legal grounds. That's why you, deal, you have to deal with the wives of the devil. He's deceit. God works on legal. Because in his word he follows. Strictly follows his word. Well, he said, do this first. Be a blessing. Be a what? Blessing. And then you'll be a conduit. Through which that thing is uh, flowing. And Elijah said, it will never cease. Regardless of the condition, it will cease. I pray that God will help us to change from this paradigm of receiving, 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 receiving to the paradigm of being a blessing. Being a blessing. And you start from your family. Make sure your children are saved. To sit your children down, make sure they are saved. You'll be a blessing. You give somebody Jesus. You give somebody love. You give somebody Jesus. The greatest gift we have to give is Jesus. Be a blessing. And your pot of oil will never run dry. You know what that pot of oil is? It's the anointing of God. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege you gave us to hear your word this morning. Praying, Lord, that you will help us again to be with our mind, with our senses, and not treat these things with levity, because they are the way you help us out of trouble, even before they come. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray.